You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Thanks very much for the reading of God's Word and uh, for your welcome. Great to be here. My name's Jeff Milton. Uh, I'm retired from full-time ministry and I, I seem to keep myself fairly busy with locum ministry that is filling in, as uh, is the case here with Jono uh, on well-deserved leave. And we're continuing to work through some of Abraham, uh, the, the life of Abraham, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And we're learning some important lessons about him. This time we're going to learn about being tested by God and we'll find out uh, what happens in Abraham's life. So let's pray. Loving Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you uh, give it to us to help us to grow and to understand what you are doing in our lives and to strengthen us and to draw us closer to yourself. So please open our hearts and our minds to you now in Jesus name. Amen. I've got a few slides to go with this. If we've got, to, got some slides to go, yeah. I uh, should say when God doesn't make sense. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll tell you what it's about. So there's a situation here, isn't there, in, with Abraham where it just doesn't seem to, surely it doesn't make sense to him. And sometimes life may not make sense to us. If we're Christians, we believe that God oversees all things and that yet things happen that it just doesn't make sense. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. When my mother died of cancer, when I was in my 20s, I was a young Christian. Uh, I didn't understand it. I was praying desperately for her to be healed. She, she died. What was God doing despite my constant prayers for healing? She was one of the major supports of my life, the person in my life who understood me best, and here she was taken away. wonder if you've ever felt like that. What is God doing? It doesn't make sense. Here in Genesis 22, and it's very useful to have it open in front of you, if you've got a paper Bible or if you've got it on your phone, um, you, can, you can get the, the, the flow of what's going on and also check that I'm not making it up. Uh, in Genesis 22, we continue with the events of Abraham and Sarah's life. And you remember from last week, after 25 years of waiting for God to fulfill his promise of giving them a son, Abraham and Sarah had, uh, had finally had a son. Little Isaac was born um, in their very old age, very, very old age. It was a miracle, it was a medical impossibility, but it was God's gift to them in his time. Now, in the next chapter, Genesis 22, Isaac has grown up. He's probably 13 or 14, we're guessing. And God spoke to Abraham and told him to go to the land he would show him. It was actually the land of Moriah, we find out later on, which uh, became part of Jerusalem. Verse 2, he says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. God knew about his love. Of course he did. And sacrifice him 
As a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I will show you. What's going on? What was God doing? Here he seems as cruel and capricious as one of the pagan gods. Uh, He's demanding an impossible sacrifice. Uh, What was the point? Is there any blessing in this? God had promised them a son and after 25 long years of waiting, he'd given them this son. Now he was commanding Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son. And as well as the apparent cruelty, what about God keeping his promises of from Abraham building up a great nation, people as numerous as the stars in the sky, uh, and through whom all people on earth would be blessed. And God had said that three times in three separate uh, very important occasions in Abraham's life, Genesis 12, 15 and 17. Now we're not told how in the text how Abraham felt But if it were me, or put yourself in his sandals, if it were me, I'd be raging at God. God, how how can you do that? Not my son. Kill me. Take me. Take everything I have. I don't care. Don't take my beloved son whom I love. And what about your promises? How are they going to go? The son of the promise is is gone. Are you a trustworthy, promise-keeping God? I wonder if you've ever felt anything like that, that that God just doesn't make sense. You may be at the end of your tether at the moment trying to care for a very sick mother or husband or grieving a loved one, or you may be struggling to care for a disabled child, or you're praying desperately for a child who, a wayward child who has strayed far away from the Lord. Or you may have lost your job and you don't know how you're going to survive. Have you ever thought or prayed, God, what are you doing in this situation? It doesn't make any sense. When my wife Anne and I were first married, uh, she didn't have a job. And I had to resign my job uh, in order to do a chaplaincy course before I was ordained into to parish ministry. But at the end of the court, course, the chaplaincy course, I'd resign my job, um, burnt my boats, if you like, and um, there, was, there, were, there, were, there was no job for me. There were 13 positions for trainee ministers, uh, and there were 14 candidates, and I was the last. There was no job. She'd, my wife didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. Yet I was sure that God had called me into, into ministry. What was going on? So what's going on here with Abraham and God? Well, God had seemed to be contradicting his promises. Remember from the last chapter, God had promised Abraham, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. Now he's asking him to sacrifice Isaac. So what was happening? Well, second slide, uh, trusting God when he tests us. Because in verse 1, we find uh, that God was testing Abraham through his command to offer his son as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Now what does this mean? For Abraham and us, God testing us. We may think of tests where the main focus is actually on failure. You're looking for the failures and get rid of them, discard them. My first exam at university, uh, done okay in school, high school science, first exam at university, uh, semester one, chemistry, I failed. I'd been okay at it at school. 
he, he was failing. And no doubt the uni was trying to weed out the less able students. Well, it gave me a kick in the pants and I finally started studying instead of going to the movies all the time. Or being breath tested by the police. You've drunk too much alcohol, you fail the test, you lose your licence. The focus is on f failure, finding the failures. But that's not what's happening here between God and Abraham. And some human testing is, uh, has done that way to help people grow, to grow spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Picture there of soldiers uh, doing a training exercise. Uh, why are soldiers tested? By going on these harsh survival tests in the, in the jungle. My father nearly died in World War II in that sort of training exercise. Well, it's to develop their stamina, perseverance, endurance, and I think in the case of soldiers, probably their obedience under fire. Well, something like that was happening for Abraham. In general terms, we can say that Satan tempts, tempts us into sin to destroy us, but God tests us to strengthen us. That's what's happening here. Abraham was put under the ultimate test of his life. This was the big test of his life. God told him to sacrifice his beloved son, Isaac. And we know that God was testing Abraham to strengthen his faith and obedience. And as Abraham's ultimate test, if he trust, trusted God 100%, obeyed him 100%, then he would be demonstrating that he loved and feared God 100%. He would be doing what's said later in the Bible in Deuteronomy 6 and our reading uh, Jesus' words from Mark chapter 12 of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's what he would be doing. Well, perhaps you're going through some sort of test right now or you've been through it sometime recently. Perhaps you'll be wondering how you'll cope if in the sometime in the future you might get COVID. We all hope and pray that we don't. It might happen. Will you be able to continue to trust God and live for God and obey God? Well, let's look at what Abraham did and let's remember that Abraham is uh, the, the great example for us from the Old Testament. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate final example in the whole Bible. In the Old Testament, Abraham is a great example of faith and obedience who's referred to uh, again and again, uh, for instance, in Romans and Hebrews. So the third slide, trusting God by obeying God in times of testing. So tested by God. He didn't know that, but he's responding to God's command. We know he's being tested by God from the text. Verse 3, straight away he obeyed as soon as possible. Early the next morning, he got his donkey, he saddled up his donkey, he took his two young servants, uh, he took his son Isaac with the split wood for the burnt offering and set off to the place God had told him to go to. Verse 4, it was a three-day journey, plenty of time to reconsider the whole thing, just imagine what was going through his mind. And verse 5 shows Abraham's thinking. He said, they get to the destination, he says to his servants, you stay here with the donkey, the boy and I will go over there to worship, then we will come back 
to, we will come back to you. You see, Abraham trusted that somehow, he didn't know how, he couldn't see how it was going to happen, his son Isaac would come back with him. We will come back to you. That is that God will provide another way, somehow, so that he could obey, he could obey God and Isaac, his son, would be preserved as his son and also the beginning of the promised fulfilment from God. And we have a little bit of help in understanding uh, this in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, verse 19, it tells us that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. What faith in God was that from Abraham? What obedience to God was that? What reverent fear of God? What a godly example Abraham gives here. But we don't know yet what happens. Verse 6, then with Isaac carrying the wood and Abraham carrying the fire uh, and the knife to kill the sacrifice, they went on together, father and son. And then in verse 17, 7, we have a poignant interaction between the father and son. Isaac, trusting his father, Abraham, says innocently, the father, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham reveals more of his heart and his trusting and obedient relationship with God. And he says these words, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he trusted God. They went on together, step by step, and the narration slows down and the tension builds. Verse 9, they went obediently to God's appointed place. Abraham, we read, built a rough stone altar for the sacrifice. He arranged the wood on it he tied up his son Isaac, who must have cooperated with this, and laid him on the wood on the altar. And the tension's excruciating. Go to the next slide. So th there, he, there he is, with his son, ready to make the sacrifice as God had commanded him. What's going to happen? He reached out his hand and took the knife. What would God do? Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he said. Verse 12, God's angel commanded him, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. And finally, here is God's purpose revealed in verse 12. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Now I know you fear God and therefore obey God. Let's spend a minute or two just thinking about this idea of fearing God because it's actually an important Old Testament um, theme. It's referred to, major images referred to uh, over a hundred times in the Old Testament. Um, we too are called to respond to God, our, who is our creator, as reminded in the first song. He's our provider. He's our almighty saviour. We're called to respond to him with reverent fear and awe. See, our God is not some sort of 
Father Christmas figure that, you know, we write out a list and he'll just do whatever we want and give us whatever we want. He's not some sort of indulgent grandfather who we can twist around our finger. He's not like that. Clearly he loves us dearly, shown in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And if we put ourselves in, in Abraham's shoes, here we see a human example between, of, of Abraham as the father. Uh, a human example of the cost to God the father of sacrificing his son. You know, it's a very real cost. But he loves us and he calls us to respond to his love with faith, obedience and reverent fear. Not holding back even what is most precious to us. Here was his son Isaac. And he did that trusting God with the future. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he trusted God for the future, trusting God to provide a way through. So let's look at the next one. Number four, trusting God to provide. God had called Abraham to worship him, to sacrifice a burnt offering, and that was an offering for his sins against God. But it was not to be, that sacrifice was not to be his son, son Isaac. God provided a substitute instead. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering to the Lord in place of his son. It was a substitute for his son. And verse 14, Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And the narrator adds, so today it is said, it will be provided on the mountain of the Lord. And just remember that actually we're looking forward to what's going to happen in this same place um, uh, about 1,800 years later. God tested Abraham's faith, his obedience and reverent fear of God by calling him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then when Abraham demonstrated this extraordinary faith and obedience, uh, in, in obedience to God. God's test was complete and he provided a substitute sacrifice. And I hope you can see the connections here with future events. For surely it points us forward to the perfect sacrifice of God's son Jesus on a cross outside Jerusalem in the same area as Mount Moriah. One of the hills of Jerusalem is called Mount Moriah. Jesus is not described as a ram to be sacrificed but he is described in John chapter 1 as the, the sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here in Genesis 22 is a pointer to God's ultimate provision of a final and complete sacrifice for our sin in the death of Jesus. And so how did God respond to Abraham? if you like, passing the test, but really demonstrating fully his faith and obedience and fear of God. How does God respond? Well, we read that in verses 16 to 18. He says, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies 
and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. See, Abraham was not perfect or without sin, nor was Isaac. They still required a sacrifice for their sin. Abraham made some big mistakes. You might remember from last time we talked, we went back to, to earlier chapters in Genesis and the mistake they, they made of trying to, to uh, short-circuit God's promise of a son, you know, the, marrying the second wife, Hagar, which really showed a distrust of God's promises. But here in Genesis 22, Abraham surely is a model for us of faith and obedience and fear of God. In his faith in God's goodness and provision, even in impossible circumstances, in his complete obedience to God, which comes from his reverent fear of God, leading to obedience. And all this, unknown to him, was a huge test to develop his faith and obedience and fear of God. And all this is part of the bigger context of his life and our lives, of God's grace to him. God took the initiative in calling him to himself, in making a covenant to bless Abraham and to bless the world, and Abraham responded with obedience and faith and began to receive the covenant blessings. And we are here today as the latest chapter in the fulfilment of those covenant promises to bless all the nations of the world. Well, finally, let's think about encouragement for us in our time of testing number five. Other parts of the Bible uh, expand on our understanding of Abraham's testing of, uh, by God and our testing by God in difficult circumstances. The book of James has a quite a bit to say about it. James chapter one, verse two teaches us, uh, to consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials or tests. Consider it a great joy. Why is it a great joy? Because, goes on, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete as a Christian, lacking nothing. So faithfully obeying God and going through his testing produces endurance and you might be able to think back to some of the events in your life that you've God has put you through that you've come through obediently and which has produced maturity in your Christian character and you think well this is what God did in that circumstance I'm going to trust him in this circumstance think of Paul's growth of character from a persecutor of the church to the great missionary of the church and all the things that he went through and James chapter 1 verse 12 goes on, Blessed is the one who endures trials or tests, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of eternal life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessings in part in the present, but in the future, the life of the, the world to come, the new creation with God and his people. But Abraham is our standout example here in Genesis 22. He persevered in faith and obedience to God and reverent fear and he was blessed mightily by God. God is calling us in his word to be like Abraham, trusting and obeying his commands through thick and thin, seeking his blessing in all of that, even when we don't understand it. 
There will be times in your life, as there have been in mine, where God will test our faith and obedience to build us up, to strengthen us, to enable us to endure. endure. I don't know what you're going through at the moment. You may... uh, be experiencing the suffering of illness or disability or a relationship breakdown. It might be a visa not being extended, like a friend of ours who's been out here, I think, for about four or five years, who will probably have to go home to India in the next few weeks in the midst of the COVID crisis. It might be that you're going through a trial of mockery uh, or persecution for being a Christian. It might be the testing of loneliness and a godly desire to be married, but the person you're going out with at the moment is not a Christian and you know that marrying him or her will be an ungodly compromise. Abraham was tested by God in his faith and obedience to God and was blessed by God. And in Romans 4, Paul describes Abraham as the father of all who believe. That's big, isn't it? the father of all who believe, and we follow in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham, says Paul. So it's not just a minor, he's not just a minor Old Testament example. Abraham is our standout Old Testament example of faith and obedience in God for us to follow. And as we do that, through the suffering and difficulty and tragedy of life, we will be growing towards mature Christian character and receiving God's strength and provision and of course his sure and certain hope of the future so what are we to do when God tests us and how are we to cope with it in times of testing we're told in James 1 12 to persevere in faith and obedience to God like Abraham not giving up on God and thereby growing in Christian character Now, how do we do that? Are we to be, you know, just one of those sort of uh, uh, lone ranger type, suck it up, you know, just get, do this, get through it? Well, I don't think that that's the picture of the Bible at all. We are to persevere and endure our trials. It's greatly helped when we regularly read and feed on God's word and obey it and The reading of God's word and the pondering of it, the understanding of it, is is something that we need to do individually and together. So individually, every day if we can do it. Get a study guide. um, Read through the Bible. Read books of the Bible. And also together in our small groups um, as we gather to, to pray and also to Uh, to really understand God's word. And also, we're helped when we pray in times of trial and all times when we pray, not only individually, but pray together with other Christians. It's so important to to have some people in your small group or whoever it might be, or just to, to ask people, leaders in the church here, to pray for you after the service or put you on a prayer list whatever it might be Uh, ask the Tuesday prayer group to pray for you it's also important to gather to gain all the strength that God provides um, all the means of of grace of worshipping with other Christians 
and it's very di- it's much more difficult to do by yourself but worshiping with other christians you know we can stand, stand up here we can hear the words of the song they're the words of our heart we're worshiping god and having fellowship with other christians in our small groups but I, i've things like the barbecue after church last week i found that very encouraging to me to see what god is doing in the lives of some of the people here and in james 5 in times of trial causes to persevere in prayer seek the prayers of other christians god because god puts us in communities uh, christian communities to help one another so don't keep all your troubles and your testing to yourself but pray with others with trusted christian friends so in finishing up let us follow abraham's example of convinced faith in god's goodness and power and mercy in reverent fear of god obeying his words and and commands even when they're perplexing or they're so out of favor with the world that it, it may seem laughable and as we do persevere in a faith and obedience we will grow in christian maturity and draw closer to god in 2019 i had major cancer surgery and uh, i have no idea what the future holds in terms of uh, life or death or family life or ministry of uh, checkups every four months or so i often remind myself from psalm 31 my times are in your hands in god's hands very conscious of that but god in his grace has given me this time to continue in Bible ministry and family life. And in the process, I've learned some difficult life lessons as a Christian of my need to be more gentle and caring with God's people. Of, uh, he's been teaching me about the importance of prayer for the church. He's been teaching me that he will provide for our immediate needs. He's been showing me the value of listening carefully to others and encouraging them. May the Lord be growing you in Christian maturity for his glory, even through his testing. In the name of God, Father, Son and Spirit. Amen.